0: Welcome back to Sworn Testimonies, the podcast where we promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Today on the podcast, I have an interesting conversation with a Black therapist named Diana. We talk about some of the reasons people are hesitant to go to therapy and the benefits of going to therapy if you have the means. Stay tuned. Just be honest. 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 Just be real. Just be true. It's the only way. Is this is the only way to real Just be honest.
1: Hello, Iyana. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, I've been really excited about this conversation. I've read a little bit about your background, uh, but would you mind telling our listeners just a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do?
2: Sure, sure, sure. Um, So I'm happy to be here, first and foremost. So thank you for having me. And um, essentially, I am a therapist um, and I am a business owner. I'm an entrepreneur. um, And I have been doing um, individual counseling um, and therapy along with couples work um, for over 20 years now. Um, I've been doing that work on my own um, in my own private practice. And now um, I'm actually launching a platform to provide counseling to um, folks all over the country, specifically geared towards um, African-Americans and the global Black community. Um, and we're, we're really excited about that because it's going to ease the access and allow for folks who might not have otherwise been able to get support to be able to get culturally competent counseling. So that's my latest and greatest adventure. And I'm excited about it.
1: Awesome. I mean, I I love all of the work that you're doing. And I think I read a statistic recently that said less than like 4% of psychologists or people in that space uh, are African American. And so I'm so curious, like what led you to like this space, the mental health space?
2: a Good question. Um, I, I know for sure that um, two things played a big role first and foremost as a young person. Um, like a lot of folks, um, had my parents got divorced when I was really little, I was two, um, and I had an on again, off again daddy, had those daddy issues. My mom. Um, is also a therapist. Um, and so she put me in counseling uh, when I became a teenager, when stuff started to, you know, you become a teenager, stuff started to really come through. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was really impactful. It was life-changing for me to have that therapy. I was also actually um, admitted into a psychiatric hospital around that time. And it literally yeah. changed my entire life to be able to have this pause in my life to figure out what mm-hmm. was going on. Um, so that was life-changing. And I was like, wow, had I not had that, you know, what, where would I be? Cause I was kind of doing my thing everywhere out and about. Um, So that was life-changing. And I know that that made a big impression on me in terms of the importance of um, just counseling, mental health and and that kind of thing. And then secondly, like I said, my mom is a therapist. Um, So my world growing up was, you know, you know, hearing certain things like, you know, you express your feelings and, you know, I think you're projecting of like, what are you talking about? But that was my norm hearing those kinds of terms and that kind of world. And so I know that that also had probably a pretty big influence on me too.
1: Wow. So your mom was actually a therapist. I think that's amazing. And your experience from, you know, a lot of other people that I know, especially people of color is very different where they were told, like, why do you need to go to therapy? Just pray it out, you know, you're fine, you're strong, you're tough, you can handle it. Uh, For people who may not see the benefit of like a therapy experience, what is the point? Like, why should people be going to therapy?
2: Oh, I love this question. So I am i am a mental health advocate, but I'm a therapy advocate. There's lots of different pathways to strengthening our mental health. We don't have to just go to counseling. However, I am very biased because I think that everybody could benefit from therapy. I've been in and out throughout my life at different times. I've gone with my husband because it allows you to have a space that's all your own to just unpack stuff that you didn't even know needed to be unpacked. And I think that um, a lot of times folks look at, therapists as um, advice givers and persons who have an answer for you that are going to kind of get you straight. And that could be, um, you know, no, that's really far from the truth. It's really a space for um, you to be able to come into um, this sacred time and for you to be able to unpack what's already within you. The therapists aren't really supposed to give you the answers, so to speak, because we can, you know, people could come with the same issue, very different backgrounds, very different cultural expectations, very different sense of who they are, what's important to them and have vi- three very different answers for, you know, how they want to address that situation or issue. And so a lot of uh, counseling is about getting permission to kind of unfold who you are and to own who you are. And that answer yes. ultimately comes from the person receiving the counseling. So it's really about getting in touch with you um, and creating that space for you. That's what I tell folks all the time. Mm-hmm.
1: That's so good. And I definitely like, had that view of therapy, I think, before I actually started going. Uh, is there a reason? I'm, I'm always curious, like, why do you think it's so important? Or why do so many therapists focus so much on, you know, what happened to people in their early years, in the early stages of development?
2: Mm, yeah, because it's, it's it tells us so much. And I think that on some level, the the, the human part of us, we want to know why. Why am I struggling with this? Why do I do this? Why do I think like this? Why, why, why? Even though research has shown that getting the why is not as important as figuring out what you need to do now. Because once you get the why and you discover some things, I've definitely been guilty of it. I know my whole story. I know why. I know what happened. But I don't mean I'm changing some of my behaviors Mm -hmm. that that I am, you know, kind of stuck in. I can just analyze it real good. I sound real smart, but I'm still doing the same old, same old. So, um, you know, research has shown that really you you need to figure out some behavior change mechanisms to be able to start to create new habits and new thinking and that kind of thing and push back against some of the things that are not helpful to you. But back to your original question, as you can tell, I talk a lot. Um, But... (laughs) <laughs> but but to your original question, we w- when we can connect the dots, we can let ourselves off the hook sometimes. Sometimes we are weighing um, ourselves down with expectations and weights that are not even ours. Like we don't even recognize, oh, you know, my mother had some anxiety. Nobody ever diagnosed her with that. But as I look back at some of the ways that I experienced her and some of the things that she dealt with and the ways that she rolled, she probably had a little bit of undiagnosed anxiety. Oh, wait a minute. And my grandmother probably have that. Oh, so this is kind of something that's kind of been in my family. I can approach this differently. There's nothing wrong with me. This is a part of some of the legacy behind me. Um, you know, I remember counseling someone years ago and him talking about um, a, a young Black man and talking about how much he valued his upbringing, um, but how, you know, he knew he really should with his child be more stern and kind of be better disciplined. discipline, but, you know, those, those you know, beatings he got back in the day were just like, they just, you know, they did something to him. Although he know that that's how we do because Black folks won't play. That's how we roll. And, you know, and he knew that it kept him in line. But when he explained and described to me what they were, I was like, I didn't say bruh, but I was like, hey, wait a minute. This this sounds like a little bit more than a spanking. Right? Like, I think that you actually, even though your parents may have done the best that they could um, they, ha- they 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 did they did the best that they they could. I always believe that you that that would be considered abuse and not know like oh you got to switch. I'm talking I'm not talking about that borderline stuff. I'm talking about this is abuse. You couldn't go to school. You had to stay home so bruises weren't seen. That's not normal and that's not okay. And that's the, the, and so 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 when you when you get those those understandings about what happened to you when you were little and how you think now you can connect the dots and you can also have such compassion for yourself. Uh, in terms of some of your struggles, like, oh, it's you know what, dang, and you still you're doing pretty daggone good, even though you have some of these areas of difficulty. So it enables us to just be able to kind of lower the 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 weight that we again carry um so many times and some of the expectations we have of ourselves so that we can understand and see ourselves fully and connect ourselves back to our history. Because when we do that, we also recognize. Um, that we are breaking, uh, Black folks say, in the Black community a lot of times, generational curses. Um, and, and what we talk about um, in clinical terms is we are disrupting negative patterns, right? And so mm-hmm. when we can connect all of those things together, it's it's a beautiful thing. That was a long answer. I won't answer no. that. No, <laughs> and, and you
1: sipping your tea. I love it. Um, this is it's so good to just hear your perspective on things as someone who's actually professionally working in this space. Why do you think so many Black people push back against the idea of going to a therapist or talking to a therapist or even like, you know, allowing themselves to consider talking through their issues with someone?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, there's there's, a, there's quite a few reasons, but I'll just highlight a couple. Um, the first is I always say it's for good reason. And historically, particularly in this country, but really you can look around the world and see uh, remnants of this. Uh, Black folks have not always been treated fairly. There have been biases. Um, We know that diagnosis and the mental health fields um, have been um, very, very um, unbalanced, and Black people a lot of times do not get the same levels of support um, and um, are oftentimes labeled with certain mental health diagnosis more than their white counterparts. And so um, even if we look back to some of the historical kind of studies and research, I mean, the thought that this is actually documented that Black people, Black women in particular, had higher thresholds for pain, emotional pain, physical pain, and And this is the body of work that, um, you know, the greater population was working with as they dealt with mental health and physical health of black women. So that so the lack of trust, even if you don't know all of that stuff, it's in our DNA. We we know it in our bodies, even if we can't refer to the studies. Um, And so there is a there's a little bit of a don't know. I've got to check you out first because I don't know where you're coming from. Um, And then you've got conscious and unconscious um, bias, um, you know, in terms of how people Um, see you i used to have um locks back in the day when i was in my 20s and i remember going to a hospital and i was a therapist and the doctor talking to me and i said i think you think because he see me with these big long furry locks coming down my you know my my back they were pretty long um you got it twisted i mean i remember having a conversation with him and him looking kind of like oh i wasn't expecting that you know like you're actually a little educated <laughs> about some things so there's these these preconceived notions that professionals um, who are not of color oftentimes and sometimes even us of color we do that as well have um and then um secondly we don't want to have another thing wrong with us we don't want to have another issue in this society we always got something if if the great you know greater society has a cold we have pneumonia there's always an elevated um kind of issue that we're having and so we don't want to have to carry that because we're whether we realize it or not, um, oftentimes trying to um, figure out how to show up and let folks know we got it together. We all all right. We have we have some knowledge. We know what's going on. So we don't want to have another issue, even though that issue, um, it makes sense. It's OK. It's normal. Um, but I think that that's some of the stigma that we have to push back against. Um, and it's not just for black folks, but it is. We have our very unique reasons and it's incredibly thick. The stigma is incredibly thick.
1: Mm, it's so interesting you know, just hearing you explain that. And I think it helps me understand a little bit better. Um, as you know, I'm writing a book, Therapy Isn't Just for White People and I've been interviewing and talking to a lot of different people of color about their experiences. And, you know, I, it's very interesting. I think at least now, uh, most people I've talked to kind of recognize the benefit of therapy, mm-hmm. uh, but still something inside them won't let them go. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know that could be good, but I'm, I'm not that's not for me. Yeah. Um, and so just having compassion for the for people's nose. And you know, like, I understand why you might not feel comfortable. And I understand why this might feel weird or foreign to you or to your point, like, I understand that you might not want to have Something to carry because, as you mentioned, you know, there there are things that are bad, but then oftentimes when it's black, it's like extra bad. Yeah. We don't need any extra bad things. Uh, oh. Do you find that the majority of the people that you're treating or that come for, like come to you for treatment are African American, or are you treating white people? What is that makeup like?
2: So I've treated both. Um, my primary work has been um, in communities of color and African-American uh, people, but I've treated, um, you know, lots of white folks in different environments as well. And very stark difference between the mindsets, um, so to speak, that that um, non-people uh, of color and non-Black folks come with versus us. And, and there's this um, freedom, I would say, that I think, um, you know, uh, white folks have in terms of just like, I'm here to get what I need to get. And I tell people the story all the time of of having a, a client, a young white girl, who just talked freely about how she would connect with girlfriends um, and they would compare what their therapists were saying. And I told her my therapist said, and I said, oh, you know, I hadn't thought about that. Well, my therapist said, well, we should try, you know, and they're like exchanging notes around things that they had, you know, uncovered in their counseling sessions. It's almost like it's a little bit of a status symbol, like, you know, how people have your little doggy in your purse and you you have, you know, little things and you have my therapist, you know, like that's, it was such. And I, I remember thinking like, where they do this? Like I ain't never seen this, and that was my first experience working in a predominantly um, white environment in terms of the clients being white. And so I was just like, "Wow, how freeing it is that that they can just be." And you know, and these were high-powered lawyers and you know um, teachers and um, government workers. They were doing major things, and they just didn't have a lot of the weight. Whereas the black folks that I talked to, I will say that I feel like um, there has been a large Um, shift within the last decade or so, I think especially with Black women um, who are just kind of owning like, this is what I need. I I do agree with what you said, like they have this knowledge, this is what I need and I'm going to do it, but there's still this, this underlying kind of, Inside, like I know better, but inside I still feel some kind of way a little bit, you know. So, who do I talk to about it? Like my my friends who understand, or my community that gets it. But I don't know that I would do that everywhere. Um, and I think that again just has to do with the greater culture of uh, Black America. But I do think there's been a big shift with Black women, also um, in the Black church. There's been a lot of shift, um, you know, because. Christianity specifically, and um, the Black Church specifically has not always been helpful to folks feeling as though it's okay to go to, to counseling um, or therapy and I think that there have been a lot of places that i've seen who have partnered with mental health professionals um, and culturally competent mental health professionals who understand um you know like my mother did, she was a therapist, but she was also a minister and was a pastor eventually you know so how to bring both of those together and to discern like this is prayer, this is you need to go and see that person over there, right, so that you can figure out um what's going on so I, I think that there have been some shifts, but it's a it's a evolving process
1: hmm. that's so interesting. i um was listening to Dr. Anita Phillips recently i don 't know if you're familiar with her, but she's like a therapist and also a minister, and she hmm. talked about her visit to South Africa, I think it was South Africa, but she um, had an encounter with the Zulu tribe. And was Mm -hmm. learning about the different types of uh, the roles that different people played. And there was one particular role of like the spiritual healer, a spiritual healer. And it was interesting because she said they were responsible for like the spiritual and psychological welfare of the community. And I thought that was so fascinating that they were connected and that, you know, you go back and you look, I think, in a lot of African, traditionally African cultures, uh, the ideas were so connected, like spirituality and your psychological mind. Um, But then, you know, our our fast forward American, you know, whatever black culture and we've been through a lot. Um, We've been through slavery, we've been through civil rights and how we've had to kind of just develop this like, I'm strong, I can take it, I can get through anything. There's nothing wrong with me mentality, Uh, but figuring out how that intersects with our faith um, has been really, I think for in my personal life, a really interesting journey. How did your journey with faith, um, in, you know, kind of intersect with your therapy work?
2: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I I love what you said about the fact that traditionally th- these places intersect, and this is even why you see um, a lot of folks today. At least the folks that I've been exposed to, who are professionals, uh, there are a lot of minister slash therapists. There's a whole lot of those folks um, in in the Black community specifically, because for for uh, African Americans and um, Black people, there there really is not much of a distinction, even for Black folks who. Um, perhaps have um, pulled away from formal religion and, uh, you know, consider themselves to be spiritually centered um, or um, universally centered and that kind of thing. There is still this piece uh, around bringing in spirit and, you know, combining that with kind of my, my mind and how I'm doing. And, and they really are very, very much interconnected. So um, for me, I would say um, that the path has been one that's never really been um, a separate path. Um, You know, my my time when I uh, spoke earlier about uh, being in counseling as a young person, um, you know, I was journaling, going to therapy, praying. Uh, questioning uh, Christianity and some of my um, thoughts and ideas about about it. Um, as I got older and went to college, um, I kind of separated from um, the traditional kind of formal Christian um, path and really started to explore other religions and that kind of piece. And, you know, was kind of processing that in therapy and taking those things that I was was finding in these different um uh, paths and sa- using that as a part of my daily practice to 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 calm myself to center myself um mm-hmm. and to find myself so it was all kind of um you know entangled don't say that word but you know kind know, of <laughs> so to speak um and and it was something that I wasn't even really consciously aware that you know of what was happening, but i think um I think that it's is very much especially um for black folks it is very freeing to know um that you can pay attention to both that you can pay attention to the fact that, oh God, you know. What, what does this mean for me? Why am I? What is the bigger reason um, that I'm dealing with this spiritually? What is it that I have to learn? or I need to lean into. Um, and then also being able to recognize, for example, you know, after I do this spiritual practice, I'm, I realize that I, this is not enough that this piece right here lifts me for a second, but I need more. I need to do something more. I need some other kinds of interventions and to blend the both of them. And I think it's a powerful way to live, um, and, you know, when you live in that space.
1: Yeah. And not feeling like you always have to separate everything. Um, I'm curious to know what you think. Uh, do you think that there's a difference between prayer and meditation or is it the same for you?
2: You know, I think d- different people do prayer differently. Um, you know, I do, and I don't know if this is the exact proper term, but um, um, the Unity Church. There's a there's a church. Um, uh, I don't know if you call it denomination. Um, Institution called Unity. So, if you just for anybody listening, if you look up Unity, Unity is um, really for for lack of a this is not the best description, but for lack of a better description, is is a uh, more universal um, kind of approach to Christianity. So, being able to look at the metaphysical, um, but but within the realms of Christianity. And so, what what they talk about and what I learned when I did some studying in that space was about the power of um, declarative prayer, making declarations. Um, And and it's a shift between asking for, um, please help me, rescue me, get this for me, do this for me, God or spirit, versus this is what I need. And I know I can create it. I can Co partner with you, God, to create what I need Mm -hmm. in my life. That there's some things that I have to do um, myself in order to meet you halfway. And it's a a declarative kind of "I am that I am. I'm okay. I'm good enough. I'm all right." And this is what has to happen. And it's a different kind of a space to be. You know, as we hear folks oftentimes, you know, in the church talking about, like, you can't just say, "God, can you help me make it better?" and then be done. Right? You gotta, you gotta do. Um, Your part faith without works is is dead. So um, so I think it depends on how you look at prayer. For me, I do try to really be intentional um, about bringing in declarative prayer so that I am not just help me, Lord. But I, can I still say help me, Lord, because I need God to help me. But at the same time that I am also bringing in um, this is what I'm manifesting. This is what I'm bringing out. This is what I'm pushing forward. And there's a partnering there. And so I just think it depends on what you do. Meditation, I think, is a a place of stillness and quiet that, honestly, I'm still evolving. And I'm doing much better with um, kind of getting into that still space with yoga. But I'm one of those folks with uh, meditation. And I have recommended it greatly for lots of clients. But I'm like this when I open, like, okay, (laughs) Let me get, let me get back to it. So, so I'm getting, I'm getting, the, getting better, but I think yoga has been the place that I've been able to do it a little bit, a little bit more easily. So, so a little bit different for me. Yeah.
1: I'm glad to know I'm not the only person who has struggled with meditation. It's so right. hard for me to stay quiet for extended periods of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's so interesting. So I actually heard someone say recently that um, with black people, our relationship to God Has largely been, and this is specifically Black people in America, you know, wade in the water. I need you, God, you are powerful and I am nothing, and just help me out of the situation, which is understandable coming from a slavery context. uh, But that, you know, with a lot of white Christians, they tend to see God as their friend or their co creator and they're working together, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is a very interesting distinction. Would you say in your practice, um, you've seen that? the difference in the ways that people of different races relate to God?
2: You know what, what, what I will say, um, I have, I have not necessarily in my practice and my counseling seen, um, a difference so much, uh, in terms of, uh, race. I, I will say that, depending on where folks come from and you know their particular um you know culture is real culture is big so you know for for white folks um and and for black folks i don't think that there is necessarily in one predominant way and this is just me kind of this is not my professional this is my my general thinking because i this is not my area of specialty but i will say that i talked to plenty of white folks in counseling um who have very much a similar kind of thinking and relationship with god in terms of you know trying to to please god and be okay and do right and be on the right side of things so that you can measure up because you're not enough and um and um and forever kind of having this fear Um, that they're not um, going to make it in heaven, you know? Um, And so I've talked to to both white and black folks who share that kind of thinking. Um, And then also same piece, you know, on the other side um, have talked to um, people of color um, and black people and non-black folks who have a more liberated kind of way of thinking and see themselves as you said, um, you know, partnering, being co-partners and co-creators. So I've seen it in both. And I really think it, you know, it ultimately comes down to, you know, what you were taught um, and you know, what you have been exposed to as you've traveled your path in life.
1: Mm. So when you were treating white patients, has anyone ever expressed um, and maybe that's not something that they would express to you, but any, has anyone ever expressed like, you know, some like being hesitant or like, can you treat me as a black person
2: since I'm white or do you experience that at all? You know, I've not I've not ever experienced it at And I think, I mean, I'm saying it like that because I find it so interesting um, because I know because I'm a Black woman and I know because of working with Black folks and then even um, being able to refer and connect Black people to other folks, that is a primary concern. Like, who is it? Are they Black or white? You know what do they what do they specialize in? I mean, do they are they you know? Because I have I have lots of great white colleagues who I will refer people to who who are um, culturally competent and they understand who they are in the world versus you know the clients that they are bringing um, you know themselves to, and I have not experienced that with um, white folks where and and to be honest, when I first started out uh, many years ago, I, you know I would have that kind of thinking like you know again I'm coming through my black woman lens. Are they going to think that I'm not quite good enough or i'm not mm-hmm. able enough right you know and i had to be aware of that and make sure that i kept that in check and you know that's what therapists have to do at all times is be aware of our own feelings and kind of separate that out and though i've never had that experience i've never had anyone um sh- now, now like you said who's gonna say can you really you know help me mm-hmm. um i know my mother has talked about in um earlier years you know she's older um, knowing, folks not having said that, but her having some knowledge that folks were probably questioning her competence um, and not being sure. And as time went on, they kind of got settled and, and she knew that they had kind of transitioned over that. And that she would even at times, you know, ask, is there is there anything that we need to name in terms of barriers, you know, that might be here? And there's no judgment, it just is what it is, right? So that we can be clear about it. Um, concerns about my gender, my race, right? If she's dealing with a white man, for example. I um, so she did put those things out there. I have not I have not experienced that. Um, I've experienced white folks predominantly as being really, as you should be when you come to therapy, focused on, I'm ready to do, I'm, I need to talk about what's going on with me. I ain't thinking about you. I think about what you're thinking about me. I just want to do this work and I want to get into it and, and get this off my chest where I experienced black folks much more like I'm here. I'm feeling some type of way about being here. I'm checking you out. I'm not sure. (laughs) You know, and so we just we just have two very different paths um, because of, you know, our our histories. Yeah, for sure.
1: Mm, That's so interesting. And my mom, she's a pediatrician and she expresses a lot of your sentiments. And, you know, again, this is not my area of expertise or hers either, but she feels like, you know, just because we do as Black women have a history of being like caretakers. Like we were watching over the babies in the slave house and sometimes even breastfeeding the babies and, you know, serving as maids and in the house. And a lot of white people actually feel very comfortable, sometimes even more comfortable uh, with a Black person in like a a service, like helping role, because it allows them to kind of like be vulnerable and open, but not exposed. Cause it's like, well, I'll tell you you're black, but like my white community won't, won't know. I can mm-hmm. like tell you all my secrets and we can have that intimate relationship. Um, and still kind of for pr- like preserve my like pristine whiteness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I thought was so interesting. And I actually recently have talked to a few white friends who uh, told me that they'd rather have like black therapists, which I thought was so fascinating because as a black person, I was like, I want a black therapist because I'm black and I need someone to help me process like racial stuff. Right. Um, and I was like, man. And it also occurred to me maybe they don't feel like they need to process their whiteness, or like maybe they don't feel like that's even a super important part of like what they're processing. So. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think too, you know, I I, I have had excuse me i have had folks say in the past um not a lot but i have heard some black folks say you know i kind of and not to me but these are like friends or whatever you know i kind of would want a white therapist because they didn't want someone who necessarily um was connected into like like their our culture like not wanting to be judged if you are having some maybe unpopular feelings, which you might perceive to be unpopular feelings about certain situations. And you're sitting with a black woman, for example, mm. and you're like, how is she going to think about me? Because, you know, I don't have to think about that. And so if you with this white person who's your therapist, you kind of have to explain to them they don't have any, They don't care about any of that. They don't have any investment into that. Well, a good therapist, period, doesn't have any investment. But there's this cultural connection that can be helpful. Right. But there's also a cultural connection that can sometimes be maybe a little bit of a barrier because I don't know if you're going to, what you're going to think about me when I share with you some of my thoughts that, you know, and because black folks, we look as a whole, you know, this cancel culture and everything that's going on, uh, black Twitter, these kinds of things, we can, we can have very, very rigid kind of thinking around certain things. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think sometimes that can, you know, be, um, a detriment to us. So I have heard some folks, um, some black folks talk about, like, I want to just, just for these couple of issues, I want to go talk to somebody white, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I don't have the the burden of whatever I think you might be thinking, you know, so. Uh,
1: it's so interesting, like being on the other side, I was always in some way, shape or form um, were not worried, but like concerned that my therapist would like judge me. Like that was like always a a concern of Mm -hmm. mine. And at the beginning, it made like sharing very helpful um, Mm because she'd be like, well, you know, maybe you need to like go do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And then I come back and she's like, have you done it? And then I have to look at her and say, no. And I'm like, ah, she's judging me (laughs) Um, as a therapist for you. Like, do you, I mean, do you ever, you know, feel that like desire or like maybe like that internal, like judgment, like we think that you're feeling, or are you just completely disconnected from that and just like focused on like, you know, the issue
2: Mm hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. We're really connected to the issue and focusing on the issue and really focusing on what's happening for you. Like, so if you're not doing it, it could be. Now, I will say this in my mind, I could be thinking. This probably isn't even the way. Now, This is my own personal kind of assessment. This might not even be the pathway that this person is going to find most fruitful or helpful. But this is the pathway because, again, we're not giving you the answers or telling you what the right way to do. This is the pathway they want to go down. They're going down the pathway. And yet we've come back together and you haven't done a B or C why is that it could be because there's some fear or you're just not doing it it could be because it's not even the thing that you really should be doing you've got to figure that out and and i might prompt some of that thinking um but by by and large there's not really a whole lot of judgment because once you've seen the issues and the and the way that people process you're really just working the process so what i tell folks a lot of times especially in doing um couples work which i think is Uh, frustrating for folks a lot of times is like, I know you want to tell us, because I do that work with my husband, um, you know, what had happened and then this, and then he said, and then she, and he doesn't understand. Right. And you want to give me all the details. And so I want to do that initially. But after that, all we're looking for are the trends and the themes that come up in Mm -hmm. terms of how you communicate and what you're doing that's helpful or not helpful. The circumstances and situations change all the time they're always changing all the time, right? Like that's the same thing for individual work, How you, what you're dealing with, it's your boss now, it's your friend, it's your this, it's always shifting and changing. So I, I, we don't have to really get drawn into that as much as we're looking for, what is it that you know you tend to do? Do you tend to shut down or do you not speak up or do you do you you know jump out there too quickly? And that's what we're looking at um, so that we can help you to be able to have a set of resources, right? That you can apply when you're done with therapy or when you take a break, to any situation. So not really judging. Um, I think it takes uh if, if you if you have a therapist, and I would hope that this would not be the case, where you're ever feeling some judgment. And of course I think all what you said in terms of people feeling like, oh, you might judge me, I think everybody feels that. I've been in therapy and I have a feeling of like, you know, and I know like Iana, <laughs> you know that you need to share, but I'm like, I don't want to share that because I don't know what you're gonna think. So I think it's very normal. Um, but ultimately it's our it's our it's really our job and it's a skill set a skill set to really be non-judgmental and it really is helpful for people to have that that space. So I don't I don't really find myself judging as much as um, really, again, looking for the trends, the themes um, and then pointing people back to places um, of you're here again. You're at this place again, um, mm. you know, that kind of thing. So that that's pretty much what it looks like.
1: Mm. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> um, so for your clients of color. And again, this might be a broad issue. And I don't know if you have a specific answer. uh But we obviously know that, you know, our worldview, our race kind of impacts the way we see ourselves, the way we see our worlds. Are there trends or certain things that you see um, in black people uh, specifically that, you know, are kind of consistent and things that like they're learning how to like work through or move through? Like, are there any similarities there?
2: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, you're right. It's a really broad kind of question to, to tangle with. But what I will say, um, because I've seen it more um, lately and um, a lot of individual work that I'm doing with women in groups and individually, um, and that is um, women really uh, pushing back against and really, um, really trying to create a new narrative for themselves when it comes to um, their sexuality how they express themselves, um, how they own their sexuality, Black women specifically. And a lot of this, you know, came out recently with um, WAP, wow. WAP, right? Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> so there's a lot of conversation going on. And, you know, and there's folks in the community who are like, oh, no. I mean, just you just set us back 200 years. Other folks in the community who are like, this is how we should own it. And this, you know, why is it that, you know, we don't say that when we see, you know, men um, in popular music, you know, kind of brandishing their sexuality everywhere, what have you. But what but the conversations that have been happening, though, um, you know, in our groups and stuff like that is folks talking about how um, what's the word I want to use, how bound black women talking about how bound they have felt um because of the messages, um, by and large, given by their mothers, given by um, their spiritual or church communities, given by Black men about what it looks like and what it means to be a good woman, Um, you know, um, to be someone who is, um, you know, pure and has integrity and all these kind of things. And so I've I've seen a lot of uh, commonality that comes out in a lot of ways. When I just think back over um, my years of practice, uh, that's a common theme that I see that that um, so everybody's not trying to fight against it. Some folks are like, yes, and I agree with this thinking. Um, but a lot of folks more recently, I will say, um, are really trying to figure out who, who am I in my own um, sexuality, separate and apart from what my man thinks, from what my mother thinks, from what. People say it's OK, it's not OK, you know, um, versus just, you know, oh, you you shouldn't do that or you can't wear that or you're not supposed to move like that or this means you're a hoe or <laughs> whatever. Right. I, I've seen a lot of talking around that and a lot of uh, head nodding from women who who get it and understand that culturally in, in the black community, a lot of times there are a lot of um labels and a lot of um burdens that are put on black women and uh, in some ways we have participated with that and said oh yeah i am supposed to fit into this little box and folks are trying to break out they're trying to break mm-hmm. out i'm definitely seeing that now uh, it's so
1: interesting like just everything you're saying is so interesting to me but uh the conversation around like wap specifically and you know for me feminism is the right to choose and so you know, while I might like, I personally like having worked with like, um, or just done some research with like human trafficking, like hearing about a whorehouse and like seeing a house where like women were like selling their bodies. um, Like it triggered some things in me. Like, is this good? Like there are so many women who are in this position and it's not a, we're romanticizing it almost like they don't want to be there. Sex, sex trafficking is, is a huge deal. And if we're pushing back and telling people not to like buy sex, then why are we saying okay, it's OK to sell it? Um, and having those internal feelings, but also recognizing that like somebody might have a completely different worldview and might not have those triggers and might watch the video and be like, I feel empowered to, you know, be who I want to be outside of society's expectations and just realizing that other people have like different takeaways and trying right. really hard not to like judge people who are like, I think the video is great without like putting my interpretation on it because they might not have seen what I saw, but it's so hard to do that.
2: Yeah. Yeah it definitely is and 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 the piece that i always um try to remind myself of and others is you know as black folks and just people in general of course but particularly as as um african americans we're not monolithic i mean we have very different experiences and very different thinkings um and and you can you know i i actually am one of those peoples i used to think it was a it was a curse a little bit, but I think it adds to, you know, what makes me um, good at what I do in terms of being a good therapist, but I can always see both. It's it's, it's very rare that I can't see both sides. I can Mm -hmm. generally see both sides. It's, you know, I remember early on doing some work and I think I was answering questions, like ask a therapist or something for someone. And the person like sent me like a side note, like people just, can you just give an answer? Like, yes or no (laughs) like you know tell them that it's right right or wrong um and i was kind of like but it's not that simple (laughs) you know saying like it's it's much more complex than that and and that's how a lot of issues are um you know you might feel empowered um and at the same time um because you because you're seeing um oh wow look how she owns that i didn't even know that was possible what you know what can i do Uh, maybe i need to get in front of my mirror and just dance butt naked and feel good about myself and at the same time, you might be like, and babies are being trafficked and who's watching this? Who's consuming this? Um, what is this what is this messaging? Can those things code can we, can we have understanding about both of those things? I'm one of those people who can see both sides. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think a lot of times, you know, pe- people are like, pick a side. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, I have a side, but I generally am able to see, you know, the the many sides to it. So yeah, I don't know if it's what a curse
1: what were your like personal thoughts like watching the video or like, did it bring up certain things in you or how did you feel?
2: Yeah. I think for me, my initial, so here's the thing. So I was seeing a bunch of images and little clips and stuff like that. And I hadn't seen the whole video. And just off of that, like my general initial is like, okay, I don't even want to, I'm not even looking at that. I'm not even paying attention. Um, And so I was just kind of like, whatever. And then I started seeing all of these um, threads on social media and people talking about it in the community, um, and a lot of folks um, really, in, in terms of what I saw, um, I saw a lot of folks coming and saying this is wrong and this is bad and they're setting us back. But I saw a really big swell of of women um talking about, you know, the, the double standard and, um, you know, why do we do this to black women? White women can do these things. There's not a whole it's not this huge kind of um, swell of like talk. Like, why is it this? Why do we put this weight on black women and what do you expect from them? I mean, this is what they do. Right. Like, so if you don't like it, don't look at all this kind of stuff. And so I was like, oh, huh, this is interesting. And so I put I actually put out a post I said I would really like to hear from people. I want to know, particularly from women, what are your thoughts about this separate and apart from like men. Like that men are not our baseline. That's not that I don't I don't figure out what I'm doing based on men like well men do it who cares what they do, they could be doing the wrong thing too. I just want to know, based on you know, our own feelings about how we represent our bodies, how we're represented in, in the public, all of those kind of things, um, in terms of our sexuality, what do you feel? And a lot of folks were saying, I'm you know, I'm, i I love it, I feel good, it's great, it's wonderful. And I was just like, Oh, okay. So, my my gut feeling was like, I don't know about this, it's not something that I'm oh that I'm okay with. I don't think that it's something that represents as well. I watched the video after that. And when I watched it, I said to myself, in my own grown woman, while my husband was sitting right there, like that was kind of hot. You know, like let me let me we might want to go in the other room right now. I had that experience, mm-hmm. like that was kind of cool. But we can never, I think that's the thing where we get caught up. If I just was operating in that space, then it's like, okay, cool, because that's what they do, whatever. But when I think about my 14-year-old daughter, <laughs> I think about my 16-year-old daughter, um, I think about you know some of the, the ways that Black women specifically have been represented, um, then it starts to get more complicated. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, again, giving you the answer that, like I said, all the time, I've kind of got a little bit of like, oh, this is kind of hot with my husband watching it. And then when I start to open up my mind <laughs> to these other pieces, I'm like... Well, I think that, you know, there's some responsibility that we have. And that's not how I would choose to use my responsibility. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's bad in and of itself. I think everything has a time and place. I think it's a lot of Black women who could learn how to, and who could benefit from dropping it like it's hot. Like, just do that a little bit more by yourself. So there's so much, you know, um, people oftentimes are pent up when they get into their relationships. Um, You know, so I, I don't think it's bad in and of itself but I don't think that we can simplify it and just say like oh it's it was great as wonderful as liberating as if they're not all these other contexts um that we have to pay attention to I think we do have to pay attention to those things
1: I love that your answers are very like yes and like I feel like I resonate a lot with that you know because a lot of times I feel like especially on social media you start debating and it's like this or this this side Mm -hmm. or this side and it's like well no, this part was good. This part made me uncomfortable. This part I liked. There was actually a line in there. I think Cardi says, like, I don't cook. I I don't clean. Let me show you how I got this ring or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I had, like, two thoughts at the same time. My first thought was, like, I'm more than my body. Like, I'm not going to – I don't want to marry someone just because they're attracted to me. Lots of women are attractive. That's not a deep enough connection. But the other thought was, like, I did not grow up learning to cook. Like, my mom doesn't cook. I just recently mm-hmm. – in my early thirties have like started to like learn how to make different meals and such. Uh, but the idea mm-hmm. of like having to cook and clean to like get a husband always like rubs me the wrong way. So it was like, yes, I agree, but also like, do it. If there are just so many com- complex feelings, So yes. I think it's, if anything, I think it's been a really great, like think piece for us mm-hmm. to just start asking ourselves, you know, more questions about what we believe and why. Right. Yeah. Um, And so I'm curious for someone who has like never been to therapy, has no experience and they're listening to this and they're like, "Hmm, maybe that's something that I might want to try. Like, what can they expect? Like, what is it like to sit down with this person who doesn't know you and just like spill your heart? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, well, well, I would say, you know, really the piece, the biggest thing to remember is that you're building a relationship, um, you, just like you have to build other relationships. It's just a very specific um, relationship for a very specific purpose. And um, you have to take time to build rapport. So um, in building that rapport, therapists know that we have to build rapport, which means I have to be comfortable with you. You have to be comfortable with me, primarily the the client being comfortable with me. And that even if I'm going to share some things that may be challenging or off-putting even, so to speak, that what we often talk about is that we have to have permission to give that kind of feedback. The only way you get permission is because you have to have a certain kind of trust in the relationship. To be able to say that, right? So there is this build-up process, and and um and so folks shouldn't um, necessarily. Uh, sometimes I've heard people say like, I don't know what's going to be said or what they're going to tell me, or you know, it, a good solid therapist is not going to hit you over the head with some things um, because they want you to be able to build the trust and the rapport. Um, and then the other piece is is that while there is a uh, general process that um, oftentimes a the therapist has for how they want to kind of frame the session. you're really leading we're we're framing with like a question, right? Um, another prompt, another question. and then you're leading by sharing how you're feeling what comes up for you, what's happening for you. So that means you get to say as much or as little as you as you like. and um and so I think that that's really important because people need to feel whether they realize or not, safe and grounded in the process, especially when you're bringing some very sensitive things that make you feel like you want to fall to pieces anyway, that you get to actually be in charge of when you fall apart how you fall apart. If you don't fall apart, nobody's going to push you to someplace that you're not ready to go to. So I think that's what folks really should remember is that you really are in charge of your process. Um, you know, people will build the rapport with you so that you feel comfortable with the person um, and that it's a process. There's no like, let's hit it and quit it. Sometimes people ask me, so how many sessions do you think this will take? <laughs> and I'm like, Generally doesn't work that way. I can I can give you some sense, but that this that doesn't really mean anything. Even if I give you a sense, it means nothing right? because therapy just doesn't work that way.
1: (laughs) So what would you say if you had to summarize it in like a sentence or two? Um, Like what is the goal of therapy?
2: The goal of therapy is really to um, unfold. I tell folks all the time, there's so much pent in. It's really to unfold um, and to uh, really uncover who you are, who you already are and uncover what you already have inside of you.
1: And why do you think it's important for us to like know ourselves? Like I, I think I know in our culture right now, there's just this, there's been a push of like, you know, knowing your truest self and get to know yourself. And but like, why is it important for people to do that?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I I personally believe that relationships make the world go round. Relationships are everything. That's in professionally, personally. And so what I tell folks all the time is you can't give to another person what you haven't given to yourself. You can't Mm -hmm. do for another person what you haven't done for yourself. If you haven't had compassion for yourself, you're really hard on yourself, you're gonna be that way with other people. Um, If you're not very intimate with yourself uh, emotionally, you're not gonna be able to emotionally touch in with other people. So it's really important for us to know who we are I know our strengths and our vulnerabilities because we will be better um for ourselves of course but we'll also be better for the people that we're in relationship with
1: mm, that's so good like it's that idea of like how can we like heal collectively and how we relate to one another if we don't even like haven't even healed like healed on the inside or like figured out how to deal with art. Like how do you deal with someone else's darkness when you can't deal with your own?
2: Yes. Um, that's great. That's and- great.
1: And true. then um, for people who, you know, might be worried about like cost and access, because it's not easy trying to find like an affordable therapist. Like I ended up finding one that I love, but I was paying one fifty out of pocket, uh, which was great when I was working a full time job. I was like, once I left my full time job and started doing the entrepreneur thing, I was like, I'm going to try to pay all that. Um, mm-hmm. So for people yeah. who are concerned about access, do you have any like suggestions or resources um, that you can mm-hmm. share?
2: Yeah. Well, the first thing is particularly there's there's kind of like two categories. So um, for folks who, um, you know, if you're unemployed, for example, um, and you don't have income, um, there are always community based organizations in every area. Um, and so you're going to be looking at like your public health um, organizations, your departments of mental health or behavioral health. There will be oftentimes community service organizations that they can re- refer or connect you to that will offer counseling on a sliding scale where people may pay as little as 20 bucks, sometimes nothing, um, that kind of thing. So, you know, starting there is a good place for folks who don't have any income um, or very, very challenged um, you know, financially. And then the other piece is um, it kind of goes back to the new platform that I am um, in the process of launching. There's just a new wave in mental health. Um, this is a service, it's a subscription service. So, again, it's perspective counseling and therapy, and folks can get more information about that by going to therapyforblackfolks.org. But it's a subscription service where you are paying. On average, starting at about $200 a month um, and your average session, again, out of pocket, like you said, is anywhere from 125 to 225, 250. So you have ongoing access um, for the entire month um, and you're able to text your therapist schedule, um, video, live video sessions, um, do audio and talk with them. Um, and so it's a different model, it's a different way. Um, and it's much less expensive. So I think that that is, that's taking root in a lot of different um, contexts and a lot of different organizations. Um, and I think that that is going to be helpful to minimize costs for folks as well.
1: So are people able to go to your website and sign up for that now? Like, is it already being offered?
2: So you, they can go to the website and they can actually, there is a um, link where they can actually um, sign up so that we can contact them. We're going to be starting to enroll people and start the process in the next few weeks. So they'll be able to just fill out uh, some short information so that we can follow up with them um, as soon as we open up, so to speak. <laughs>
1: awesome. And uh, my, I guess my last question, uh, since you know, my book and my podcast this season is about like therapy isn't just for white people. Do you think that Black people um, should be concerned about or are there any concerns about having non-Black therapists? Like, is that something that you think we should be thinking about? Or is that something that we shouldn't think about when, like, trying to choose a therapist that works for us? Because, again, there aren't a ton of them available.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I, I think, um, you know, as with anything, I mean, I think that 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 all people are concerned about the level of um, competence that somebody has when they're working with them, whether you're a medical doctor or you're a mental health clinician, right? You want to know like, do like are do you have you have experience right in this area, what have you? I think those things are important. But I think cultural cultural competence mm-hmm. is extremely important. That's a that's a competency area and good therapists are, are trained in that. We, we get CEUs, we go back and we have to teach, you know, teach in, and take classes on that. And so cultural competence, um, contrary to popular belief, is not just about your color. It's actually really not about your color. It's about your mindset and how you deal with the client. So there are uh, non-people of color culturally competent therapists. But I think that that is something that people should um, feel like they have the right to ask about. Do you work with Black people? What do you, Are there any differences in terms of how you show up with black folks or how you how you treat black people? Like, what, what does that mean? Because of the, what role does culture play? My culture and your culture. Right. What assumptions do you make or do you not make? Um, a, a good, solid therapist knows that oftentimes folks do not ask these questions, but they know that this person is asking the right question. So I think it's definitely important to, to inquire about. And that's why I started Perspective, because, we need folks who understand um, the, the unique lens that we often are looking through.
1: Yeah, I mean, even the fact that you are able to like talk about WAP, like I feel like I've had great white mentors, but there are just certain things I want to talk about and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no <laughs> context. And then I'm like, oh, well, now I have to do that extra work of like filling <laughs> you in. We can even have the conversation. Uh, but to your point, you know cultural competency is not just race. Um, And thank you for offering up like questions that people can ask to make sure they are, you know, working with a therapist who can understand and serve them effectively.
2: Yeah. Yep, for sure.
1: Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, This has been an excellent conversation. Um, So you throughout your website, are there other ways that people can kind of get in touch with you, um, you know, online or social media?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, um, we have the counseling side of things. So folks can go to therapyforblackfolks.org. They can also look um, on Facebook and Instagram, um, Therapy for Black Folks. Um, and there's a Facebook group, Therapy for Black Black folks by perspective that folks can join, where we do a lot of talking about different mental health issues and concerns um, in the Black community. And then um, also, um, my my husband and I do the couples coaching, which is different than counseling. Um, But for folks who may be interested in learning more about that, um, they can go to blackloveandmarriage.com.
1: I love it. I love Black Love. I'm going to check out all of your sites. I love um, Therapy for Black Folks. That's how I found you on Facebook. Um, I like scrolling and I don't even remember exactly how I came across the group, but so many of like the conversations, like I don't even always like comment, but it's so nice to just kind of like comment creep and like hear and see people's Mm -hmm. um, perceptions. Um, And then it's also very like, I have lots of like me too moments, Um, not, you know, the sexual me too, but just like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm not the only one thinking about this or I'm not the Mm -hmm. only one worried about this. Like, it's very, like, normalizing. Um, so thank you for creating that community.
2: Awesome. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for sharing that. That's good to hear.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been good. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Um, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Mm-hmm
0: that concludes another episode of sworn testimonies a podcast where i promise to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth i'm so excited to let you guys know that i am officially an audible creator it's amazing what does this mean it means you can sign up for audible and get a free 30-day trial and a free book I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely love ebooks. I've been obsessed with Audible recently. All you have to do is click the link in the description of this podcast episode. Again, you will get a free 30-day Audible trial and a free book. You have nothing to lose. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Just be honest. 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 Just be real, just be true.